Lynch, Director of the Project on Middle East Political Science. Welcome back to the POMAP's Middle East Political Science Podcast, our series of conversations with leading scholars in the field. Uh, with us today is Fatima Alessawi. She's a senior lecturer in journalism at the University of Essex and uh, the author of a new book, uh, Arab National Media and Political Change, which was just published by Paul Grade Macmillan. Uh, Fatima, welcome to the program. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about this book. Um, what, what is it that uh, you are trying to achieve with this book and the major contributions that you think it's making to the field of Arab media studies? Uh, well, at the end of uh, 2010, as you know, we witnessed a wave of protests in the Arab world and it was lots of interest on social media enthusiasm, how social media will help bring about political change. And as an academic and uh, former journalist in the region, uh, I was intrigued by the question of what would be the interplay between these movements and the traditional media. I'm talking here about the old media, which is radio, uh, TV, and print, and news online. And this is a large uh, industry uh, providing mm -hmm. jobs and flourishing in the region, but it used to be and still very much uh, manipulated by the uh, political sphere, political uh, the power in place. So uh, my major question was to try to uh, uh, dissect or to understand the interplay between this movement and this uh, uh, traditional media and how uh, uh, journalists, traditional journalists, could impact this process, whether they would be uh, uh, encouraging change or uh, encouraging and supporting the status quo. What kind of new play uh, would develop between these journalists and the uh, political uh, sphere in a context of trouble uh, transition mm -hmm. or trouble difficult political change in the region? And so, you know, we all uh, had great hopes for this in, uh, in early 2011, uh, but then, you know, things have gone pretty bad. How would you evaluate the state of the media now compared to when you started in 2010? Well, I think we have some kind of um, optimism which was not really realistic. Given the inherited structure, given the uh, problems, the lack of professionalism, uh, restrictions in laws and regulation, uh, old habits, uh, this uh, temptation to serve the powerful, uh, this very mm -hmm. difficult relationship between journalists and, and politics, um, I think we were uh, exaggerating. Uh, uh, the, our hopes of, of seeing a quick change. Change is always slow, it's always painful, it's always up and down, it's never a linear uh, way of, of seeing things uh, uh, developing. Um, it's, it's, it's true to say that we cannot be very optimistic today given uh, the difficulties of this, uh, of this mm -hmm. movement and how media, especially national traditional media, responded uh, to this movement, uh, rather um, uh, giving legitimacy uh, to old structure, mm -hmm. rather than challenging them and um, confirming and supportive, uh, supporting uh, uh, public opinion, which is uh, encouraging suppression against civil liberties and um, uh, and and freedoms in general. Mm -hmm. So the question here, my main question when I started doing this research, which was uh, extensive um, uh, fieldwork with journalists in five 
countries in North Africa, Tunisia, Libya, Egypt, uh, Algeria, and Morocco. My main uh, aim uh, and interest when I started this work was professionalism, mm -hmm. uh, journalism models. And after I collected all uh, this data and I reflected on it, uh, I'm most now intrigued about the question of identity and self-perception by journalists of their role. Do they perceive themselves as journalists, as a uh, you know mm -hmm. community of independent professionals uh, uh, doing their jobs, or rather than political actors? And uh, the main result here is that journalists don't see themselves as uh, professionals. They see themselves as political actors. Nearly 80% of journalists I interviewed responded to my question saying, we see ourselves to be first citizens, citizens of Tunisia, of mm -hmm. Egypt, of Libya, and then only secondly, we see ourselves to be journalists. That's fascinating, uh, especially because you do see the, the changing role of the media and these changing ideas of citizenship during those early days of the uprisings and, and the possible transitions. But then, as the political circumstances change, seems like a lot of those old habits come back. Um, I, I have to say here that um, being myself a journalist, I started my career as a Lebanese journalist with the Lebanese press. Uh, there were always an understanding within the journalistic uh, mm -hmm. communities that we are influential actors in the political sphere. We never had this idea that we are only here to tell the story, something else. Uh, should come. But also uh, uh, professionalism uh, as a job developed in this, um, uh, uh, in, the, in, in this industry and it was a kind of blend between hmm. um, um, having a, a kind of uh, political influence and also providing a professional uh, product for uh, our uh, audience. We have to say that uh, these years uh, of since 2010, late 2010 till now, they are very short to be able to challenge, entrench habits within uh, uh, newsrooms. Uh, um, you have certain industries, if we talk about how Tunisia used to be, how Libya to, used to be, where media was simply used as a platform for uh, messaging. So again, we have to think about uh, time, uh, about the uh, uh, need to um, to provide roots for this change, and also the important thing that the media reform in most of these countries was cosmetic, but in most of the cases was not institutionalized in their practice, in their daily practice, mm -hmm. uh, leading to some meaningful change. And that's what I was going to ask you about, because there's two different levels of this, right? There's the journalists themselves and how they feel about politics and, and professionalism, and then there's this the regulatory and legal framework. And one of the things that uh, I think the first chapter of your book really goes into is the limits of legal change and of regulatory change. And so, in a sense, the media becomes a very interesting case study for the limits of change, even in places like Tunisia and Egypt. So tell us a little bit about that. Like, were there efforts to change the legal structures in these countries which failed, or was this simply not a priority for uh 
for like a major actors during the I, transition? I would, I would say both. First, it was never a priority because the political transition was so violent and was so uh, fast and unpredictable and, and fast developing every day. So even the interest within the journalistic community was more what's going on on the political sphere mm -hmm. rather than on the journalistic side of the story. But uh, uh, many things happen on the regulatory uh, reform, we witness uh, uh, relatively successful Especially in Tunisia. In Tunisia, relatively successful. I would say relatively because the political power is still trying to put uh, his hands on uh, on the media and the situation is very, very complex. I have to say that the inherited structures are very, very, very restrictive. Mm -hmm. And uh, I give you an example from my interviews in Egypt when I talk, because these restrictions are not only in the penal code, or in the, uh, on the uh, press code, but they are on the several uh, bodies of laws in different, you know, framework, regulatory frameworks. And one journal, journalist in Egypt told me, if you want today to do your job as journalist, you will be in prison because you cannot. You, you cannot report on the police, you cannot report on the security, you cannot report on topics uh, like uh, uh, that could be uh, considered as anti-Islamic, for example. So the level of restriction uh, is is very high. And in most of the time, these reforms were cosmetic because they were also negated by other sets of laws, but most importantly, the new sets of anti-terror laws mm. that are again limiting the storytelling to the, of the official uh, narratives. So today, if you want to report on a military operation in Egypt, a bombing or any kind of, you know, you have to be restricted to the communique coming from the security uh, and the uh, interior, uh, interior ministry. Uh, or you can uh, you can face uh, uh, the risk of paying a fine or to be arrested. Um, the same scene also, uh, more or less, we can see it in uh, Tunisia despite the reforms. So uh, we can say that reforms are struggling with the structures and mentality and how the judiciary is playing a very important role in also limiting change and in imposing uh, restrictions on uh, independent reporting. Another important uh, element in the story here uh, is the economic sustainability for independent media projects. So in countries, especially in countries like um, Algeria and Morocco, uh, the, the public advertisements that, are, that represent a main resource, financial resource for media is under uh, the control of the state, but the state of the regime is uh, uh, very efficient in also manipulating these resources uh, to uh, redesign the media landscape and to make sure that critical media will, could not survive and could not really send their message, but also uh, 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 in, the, in the same time, the, the infrastructure of production is also uh, under uh, uh, the, the control uh, of the state and the regime is able to uh, put pressure indirectly or sometimes directly on uh, private advertisers. And this is something obvious, yeah. we can see it obviously in, um, in Algeria and in uh, Morocco. And also we have the problem of libel. Libel is a criminal offense. So uh, if you are accused of uh, defamation, if you express a critical view, this could be considered as uh, defamation and this could lead to uh, um, 
very you know heavily uh, uh, costly uh, uh, legal cases but in some case leading to some very heavy fines but can lead also to imprison imprisonment so the situation is very very complicated and mm. um, very difficult and uh, we cannot be judgmental we cannot say uh, look to these journalists, they are not professional enough, they don't do their job. We need to link the practice to the context. We need to understand uh, the context, the socioeconomic uh, context in which these practices, journalistic practice, practices, are taking place. Now, it's, what's interesting is that if you go back to when you started writing this book and started doing the research um, before the Arab Spring, uh, I think that many people had at least some hopes that new private broadcasters would make a real difference. And uh, in Egypt and Morocco and Tunisia, um, you know, you, you would see the emergence of these privately held stations, which were they were holding talk shows and beginning to get involved in news coverage to varying degrees. Um, but it seems like that hasn't really manifested in, in meaningful, positive change. Uh, we cannot say it did not bring change. I think private media, even before the uh, uprising, managed to uh, push the boundaries of what is allowed to be said, uh, and they uh, managed to bring more diversification in the media content uh, compared to uh, what the state-owned media is providing. Now we are witnessing a, a, a scene which is very similar to other uh, media industries which open suddenly uh, and, uh, and you have these commercial uh, you know, entities and media projects uh, everywhere which are free but the quality is, uh, is very low and they are investing uh, heavily in, uh, in uh, reality shows and all, uh, all of other uh, uh, products that um, the, the quality is not really great and then we have lots of problems, ethical problems mm -hmm. coming, how they portray, for example, black people, how they, they portray uh, other nations if there is some kind of problem, diplomatic problem, for example, what's going on now between Libya and, and Tunisia mm -hmm. and how... They, so, uh, uh, the, career, uh, the career of charge, uh, career de charge of these, um, of these new commercial entities stipulated many ethical uh, you know uh, regulation or or, mm -hmm. or codes or but the problem is in the implementation and the implementation is very i mean how to monitor these uh, commercial products is you know very difficult uh, there is uh, some good work uh, ongoing in tunisia where there is a, a new independent regulatory body for the broadcast but then there are lots of pro problem about how to form these regulatory uh, bodies, what kind of power they mm -hmm. can have, uh, whether this power could be really implemented, whether they can really play a positive role in uh, pushing the quality of this, uh, uh, you know, independent, so-called independent product. The other main problem also is finance. Uh, uh, these kind of um, uh, TV uh, private broadcasts, uh, they are hugely funded. Uh, they have to uh, present a dossier in which they have to be transparent about their source of funding, but then it's very difficult to trace the real funding, uh, the real source of this money. Most of them would put that we are funded by business uh, businessmen, one or two, or you know, mm -hmm. but at the same time, it's very much difficult to dissociate between uh, political funding 
and between funding. So it's very, very, very difficult to implement uh, rules and regulation when it comes to you know mm -hmm. uh, uh, regulate the situation of these uh, of these of these entities of these organizations. Let's go back to the other side now, and uh, and, and the, the parts of your book that talk about citizen journalists and this new wave, this new generation of journalists that emerges after 2011, how, to what extent were they assimilated by these old habits and structures, and how much were they able to change as they entered into professional journalism, usually coming from an activist background or something which was not a professional journalist background? Uh, I observe this particularly in Libya, where uh, you know the old uh, uh, media in Libya was not really about journalism; it was a propaganda platform. So they were, after the uprising, they were invaded. They felt they were invaded by uh, citizen journalists, and those were the people who, uh, the activists who documented the revolution from outside the traditional media. And they uh, they were attracted by having some kind of role within uh, traditional media. Uh, I would say that they play a very important role in uh, injecting a new blood in these traditional uh, you know industry and in empowering hybridity in practices within uh, these uh, these industries. Uh, then there is lots of you know tension between them and between those who had a professional training. In journalism before whether this training was good or bad you know there's this tensions this jealousies especially that bloggers were celebrated by the international policy community as those who brought about change real change in the region um, this hybridity is very interesting to observe in most of these uh, media industries where traditional journalists who uh, who had uh, professional training were impacted by uh, social media feeds, by uh, blogger, uh, personal mm -hmm. and sentimental, emotional style, and bring it, hybridize it within their uh, working environment, with their, the, within their existing uh, practices. Uh, and this had a good, a positive and negative uh, influence. Um, it aggravated the messiness and the fragmentation of the media landscape, mm -hmm. so you could have, for example, headlines in you know big, big news, news bulletin coming from Facebook, just because also in some situation like in Libya, journalists were not able to be physically present in some places, so they had to report on, for example, some Libyan area, remote area from the Facebook pages of tribes in this uh, in this area other uh, elements that they don't have also the culture of going to the field and to respond quickly and so uh, social media feeds but on the same time gave them uh, uh, allow them to enjoy more immediacy and uh, a higher diversification uh, of the story in the same time they em embodied the style of emotional and personal views so talk shows were you know flooded with uh, personal expression of emotion and views mm -hmm. and sometimes you can see a talk show host crying uh, um, on scene but at the same time also uh, this increase this hybridity increased the ability of traditional journalists to challenge taboos and red lines in their uh, daily daily practices what was very interesting and new in the research is to see in some uh, countries where um, traditions of uh, 
production within newsroom is very restrictive. Let's talk, for example, let's talk about uh, Morocco, for example. Uh, most of journalists I met talked about, presented themselves as being journalists slash activists. So in the daytime, they would go to their newsroom, follow the rules, uh, although they don't agree with the editorial line, but they can follow it and respect it. In the evening, they are activists, they go to their Facebook pages and they express their views and they have a, a, a high number of followers and they consider this Facebook page to be their own real uh, voice and, and through this Facebook page, they are bringing about impact and change. And I can argue that uh, while this is, uh, again, is uh, increasing the hybridity of practices, of emerging practices, in the same time is uh, reinforcing uh, conformity in the newsroom because journalists are not anymore mm. interested to come to the workplace and to say, hey, I mean, this is not journalism, let's talk about something different. They uh, just follow, they, they are obedient, they follow the line, they, they do whatever they are asked to do, and then afterward, they are themselves. It's really interesting, you know. If you look at most of the of the broadcast media now, it's almost it's almost impossible to separate it out from their online presence. All of the major TV stations also have websites. This phenomenon you're describing of having, you know, the the journalists or the columnists, they also have Facebook pages or Twitter feeds, and it's very difficult to know where Al Jazeera, the television station, and Al Jazeera, the online presence. Where, where where's the distinction between them? And so this hybridity it, it manifests in another way, which is this kind of integration of the online versus the broadcast space. Exactly, I do agree with you. I think American uh, media had come out with some kind of codes or regulation mm -hmm. or ethics on how to deal for their journalists, on how to be present on online while being present. Or, you know, I'm, I'm not sure what it, 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 it varies. It, it varies. And it's very much a work in progress. Yes, I had this... Uh, I think we are talking here about a, a democratic, uh, you know, situation where you know you are not facing restrictions, and and we cannot compare to the situation in these countries. But I had a very particular, very interesting case study in Algeria, and you know that during the latest uh, presidential uh, elections in Algeria, uh, most of the media uh, had to, you know, support the election of Bouteflika again, despite his, you know, mm -hmm. uh, failing. Uh, health situation. So I met lots of journalists, especially young journalists, and, and we can see this generational divide in all the industries I investigated, but especially in Algeria and in Morocco. But I met lots of uh, young journalists who would say, like, uh, I have to follow something called the editorial line. For them, the self-censorship is called editorial line. So mm. I had to follow and to respect uh, the editorial line, and I respect President Bouteflika because I respect him, he's a good guy, and so on. But then in my Facebook page, I say that, no, we need someone else, we need someone young, we need, we need something different. And then uh, the management, the media management, started, uh, you know, monitoring these pages and telling journalists, stop doing it. You know, uh, particularly I met a young uh, female journalist who was, like, very anti uh, another uh, 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 role for Bouteflika in, in politics and, and she uh, you know managed to, to have a blog for herself and writing her ideas 
and, and center media management told her enough is enough, you know, you cannot continue to do, to do this. So it's, it's very interesting to see what this hybridity, how it's working between mm-hmm. you know, social media and traditional media and how every, you know, every side is taking from the other side and, and this exchange is ongoing. Okay, we've been speaking with Fatima Alessawi, University of Essex, author of a new book, Arab National Media and Political Change. Uh, Fatima, thanks for joining the program. Thanks very much.